What's up, humans? Luke Rain here with episode 47 of the Human Music Podcast. This MIDI pod is insane. In today's episode, we take a minute to check in with each other, asking the all-important question, how you doing? We also get into batching studio tasks, pre-making sample loops, modular synth racks, the invention of the Caesar salad, and how this MIDI pack is insane. Please support our sponsors, including Producer Dojo's new Dojo Max membership, where you can get private monthly lessons from professional producer coaches, unlimited track feedback, and the weekly download archive. It's the best value the Producer Dojo has to offer. Next guest practices where you can learn from seth drake at the approach institute he is the best engineer we know your first class is free i've been diving lately into his sections on stereo imaging and i am learning so much finally gangaroo records music distribution where you can get unlimited uploads for under ten dollars from the good people over at bounce gang all right y'all let's get into the episode Hello people of Earth, this is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm, Human Music Podcast. I like it. All right, yeah, let's talk about kind of what we've been up to, new breakthroughs, oh, yeah. recent thoughts. Yeah, all right. Cool. All right, I'll, I'll fucking rock it. My flubby clap. <laughs> I put that, by the way, I don't know if y'all remember from the from the fucking Munchie episode, the fucking oh, I remember. weird flubby clap. I put that on the end of the episode. Good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, first time we ever had an outro to our outro, but I'm happy about it. It was it was really funny. <laughs> I just I could finally listen to the Zoom audio and be like, "Oh my god, that did sound like ass." All you guys shit sounded so crispy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> that should be our April Fools' freebie Friday if it lands on the same day. Is the flubby clap? Oh my god! Oh man! Okay. Regardless, Much it should be no. like freebie Friday comes early because it's April first. Everyone loves oh, yeah. April and April, spring. April Fool's Day is uh, April Fool's Day is a Thursday, so it's freebie Friday, guy. Flubby claps. <laughs> no, 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 pristine hi-fi claps, and then it's just. <laughs> sounds like a giraffe is dying over there dude i'd have to use those in a non-ironic context if we actually made that pack it'd just be a rite of passage as a as a veteran producer like we all are at this point you get to that point where you need shit samples but like tastefully shit like chef's kiss it's like a shit sandwich but you know just minus the bread we're watching our carbs but like Wolfgang Puck's shit sandwich. I mean, they spiced that turd. It's a spicy turd. It's just spice. Spice. Nice, rolled in herb, herb crusted, pan seared. That's, that's that's Tom Brady's high 
the highest quality diet you could possibly have refined into a turd Space from Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw that episode of, of South Park. Of course. I've seen every episode of South Park. Good. Good. Too many of the people I hang with have not seen that many episodes of South Park. So my references just, go right just over there. Fucking reference away, but I know all of them. All right. Well, I feel like all this is on the podcast now. So what's up, humans? Hey, you just came friends. in. You just came in mid-random rant, and we were just discussing that that's what we're going to do this episode. We've had so many dope interviews where we really specifically got into people's backstories and what they're doing. We had a dope Q&A episode last week where the people on Dojo TV just gave us amazing questions. We could deep dive on the answers. And today, we're just going to ask the most important question, how y'all doing? So guys... How how y'all doing? We've been talking about other stuff so much. Let's check in with each other. It's important. Sharing is caring, you know. Yeah, man. As, yeah. as they say. Uh, so let's start I, with you, Evan. How's how's that album coming? I know, I know. We, we were. That's, we, that's every that's every artist's favorite question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Q um, existential crisis. I'm actually happy to report that I haven't had like a massive bout of writer's block since saying that I was going to write an album and taking some time off other commitments. Um, I will just go ahead and say on, on the air, uh, the album's going to take longer than I thought. And if you are a prospective student of the dojo, I hate to say it, but you're probably going to wait like two more months before I jump back into lessons. We're we're being honest here. We're just talking about how we're doing, and that's 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 real. The album's taking l- longer, obviously. It, but, but what I, I realized, I was like, oh, I'm gonna write the album in winter, uh, one season. Most people take like years to write an album. I'm like, well, oh, yeah, fuck, I forgot about that. Um, but that being said, um, yeah, I have like like two or three three more songs left to like write. I have. Uh, actually started an idea for the first first song of the album today, uh, which I'm liking. Uh, started started said song on uh, my new Eurorack setup. Uh, pretty pretty jazzed up about it. Uh, mostly because it's just like a different way of working. Like you know, we always talk about on this podcast how like your sound is like a derivative in part of like your instinct like what moves you make, like you have like these racks that has like a parallel chorus and hyper dimension distorted. And like, you know, you put that rack on enough things, it starts to sound like the same, same textures and stuff. Right. And uh, it's just fun to work in a very different way and like learn and like be a beginner at something that like is also really fun and that I have like the background knowledge in, but I don't know like where to plug things in. So yeah, it's it's real fun. Um, it is definitely all all uh, in thanks to the boy Aaron Wolfstacks. Big up if you're listening. He sent me his old Euro Rat case and and a, and a few uh, small modules. And um, my savings account fucking hates you, but uh, my music like left brain absolutely loves you, loves the shit out of you. So thank you, Aaron, if you're listening. But um the cool thing about Eurorack is that the modules i don't know if it's just because of like covid or what i'm just getting into it now but like they don't lose value somehow like i've been buying used modules um 
and they're like all in pristine condition because like what are you, you going to fucking break on it you're just turning turning knobs and plugging it in it's like not you're not like the worst you're going to do is like what they call rack rash which is like where you screw the thing into the rack and there's like some of the paint came off like the corner of the thing um but then like the new module say the new module is 300 dollars. you can find it used for 280 and you don't find it used for any less than 280 it's like what the fuck and i've actually bought a few uh from dudes in europe that were offering free shipping i don't know if they knew i was in the u.s or didn't think people would buy it but uh like bought something in europe with free shipping for 260 that i could turn around and sell for 280 today in a heartbeat some of these things there's only like one used that you could find from like one person like one pops up like every week or two so there's like this kind of cool like niche community of like fucking buying and selling and trading all of that to say although it is uh, an investment it's it's one that i'm confident i can like you know sell stuff that i don't like and trade pieces out and not lose money on it so um yeah i rambled a good bit there but uh that's you know how i'm doing album's going good your rock is fun how about you nicola i learned about rack rash yes yes (laughs) do do you know do you know about vcas do you know about do you know about uh uh why why everyone needs more vcas i um i could try to guess what that acronym stands for what what I've learned is that everyone says you need more VCAs, but everyone that does modular makes shitty blips and bloops music with shitty drums and like ambient stuff. And you don't you actually hot take here for anyone that has any idea about Eurorack. You don't need you don't need a bunch of VCAs if you're if you're doing mud pie stuff for bass music, melodic stuff. You don't you don't need VCAs. So so pause. Do you know what the acronym is? Because I hard key, high key, hard, whatever, don't know. Yes. I also hard key don't know. It's high a hard key, have no idea. Voltage controlled <laughs> amplifier. So it's essentially a volume knob that has a CV. Contr- okay, so CV is control voltage. I do which, know that one. Yeah, so it like essentially tells the thing what to do with the volume knob, right? So if you have like an ADSR module that like creates you know your envelope and you run that into your vca and then for for the control voltage and then you run the sound into the input and then run the output to your daw then that basically control voltage will tell the amplitude to do the envelope when it's triggered uh so um yeah it's basically just volume shaping for things um but it's very very boring to be honest most of most of the cool stuff in modular is like like things that you can't do in the digital world for instance i have this module called portal i i'm sure you guys have noticed it my voice keeps kind of fading out a little bit because i keep turning to the right to look at the fucking thing but i have this thing called portal which is a module that's a harmonic distortion unit which is like wave wrapping instead of wave shaping so essentially instead of a wave shaper or wave folder, which basically like doubles the peaks and valleys of the individual wave table as it cycles through, it instead loops it back through to the start to be clipped again. And you can do it like up to 50 times 
so it's basically just like a ridiculously powerful, like a ridiculously intense distortion, which you know me. Hey. Uh, <laughs> we like that. And uh, yeah, so it's stuff like that. Like there's, you can't buy a digital distortion unit that does that. Um, or like just the way that you like sequence like random probability notes and scales and stuff. It just generates a lot of stuff that I would never ever think to generate or know how to generate in a computer. So it's just like, yeah, there'll be some just very, I'm just getting into it. I only have like two things that I've made from it that I really like so far, but um, cool. Are you uh, running that pedal board there into the modular or is that part of your guitar setup? Yeah. So actually one of the modules I got for the Euro rack is uh, a basically it's a, VCA envelope generator with a contact microphone in it, but you can plug your guitar into it and get it up to modular levels as well. Mm. Um, modular runs at like 20 dBs higher than what you would plug your guitar into your DI for. It's kind of strange. It's something I've had to like work through and figure out how to like pad yeah. the volume properly, but to work at line level instead of yes, instead of instrument level. Well, I think line level is instrument level. And then basically no, mod modular sure. works at like zero dB and line level is like minus 20. I'm okay. not sure, but in my experience so far, that that's, seems to be consistent with the small amount of research I've been able to achieve. Um, but all of that to say, I have a unit that I could plug my guitar into and like affect the incoming guitar signal as well as run it through all the distortion units and effects and stuff. And, uh, the guitar pedal board that is on a computer slide keyboard slider under it is intended to be used with the modular rig. Although I've just been noodling with the modular stuff so far, I haven't even done too much guitar stuff with it. There's so many things, so many, such a world of opportunity to try. It's very, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the mud pies. Feel free to uh, <coughs> email me any of those no, mud it's, pies. It's funny. I actually, I actually made a freebie Friday out of modular stuff. Ooh. I just have to finish processing Ooh, yeah. and, and, and export it and get it to you guys. Get on the email list, y'all. Is that yeah. the humanmusicpodcast.com slash freebie Friday, I believe? I think it's freebiefriday.thehumanmusicpodcast.com. That is actually probably more accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. the one and link in the description. You know what it is. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, it's going to be right down there below. But oh, uh, as far as uh, levels of different things, turns out mic level is the lowest level, then instrument level, and then line level is higher. And like that's why you need uh, preamps to get those various signals up to line level. Mm. Um Man, this is all news to me. And then I'm Googling line level versus modular level. Uh, significantly higher than line level, so you'll need something to boost your signals on the way in and to attenuate them on the way out. All yeah. right. And also, fun fact, you need a interface that is DC-coupled to be able to run modular back into your DAW um, because a lot of the... Uh, units and modules in Euro rack essentially will offset the DC, you know, DC offset is like if your waveform starts at zero, goes up and down to one and minus one, it like moves it up. So like it would go up to like 
1.5 because modular works between minus 12 and 12 volts rather than one. Um, so you need an interface that is able to like adjust for that. Otherwise you're going to like fry your shit. Luckily the UID Apollo that I have is already DC coupled like the fantastic piece of gear that it is. Um, and so I didn't have to fuck with that, but, uh, yeah. Good to know. Yeah, there's definitely, it can be one of those rabbit hole things in and of itself, but like many, many things you think, oh, I'll just get this one piece of gear and then, oh, wait, now I need that special cable and oh shit, I need that interface and oh my God, I'm going to need to buy a whole new desk to put this on because I'm out of room. <laughs> I literally did. I went on Facebook Marketplace and <laughs> luckily I found one for 50 bucks that's matches relatively close to my computer desk. So it all looks choice, but yeah, man. And I like how it's all, you can see the corner of all that cool gear. It makes your, your studio look that much more official. Yeah, it does. And there's space for small plants from the thrift store. So that's uh, it's a nice look for the studio. <laughs> plants. They're, yeah, they're real. They're, they're so real. <laughs> they're so real. Look at that orchid right there. I water that thing every fucking day. I think that would also kill an orchid. <laughs> Case in well, point, this one I, I has don't. Superior orchid genetics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So enough about me. Jesus Christ, Nicola, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, I'm moving. So you know, that's uh, that's been interesting. Getting rid of a lot of stuff. Slowly seeing the place open up. You getting rid uh, of those CDJs? Um, I'll give you man. ten bucks for them deal <laughs> i'll give you 10 I'll, 50 i'll even pay shipping <laughs> okay i was gonna say you gotta pay shipping though because 100 yep, 10 bucks isn't even gonna cover the shipping <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah man it's been cool um been writing some tunes been doing a lot of guitar stuff so like learning inversions across the neck um and i've been working with a really awesome uh player Charlie Robbins. Um, he, he's got his own project called Syncato and plays for a band called Artificial Language. They're kind of, <clears throat> he's like kind of in the vein of the human abstract, if anybody's familiar with them, kind of like the classical y sounding stuff. It's really cool. But I've been working with him on expanding my guitar vocabulary and um, yeah, just learning how to like traverse the neck in cool ways. So I've been recording like a bunch of loops and um, yeah, one thing, you know, I've been doing a lot lately is just recording a shit ton of melody loops and taking my time to like carefully craft those. And that's something that's come up in a few sessions actually in the last month. Um, Cause you know, I talk about that and people have asked me about it and, and have come to me talking about timers and stuff and asking how to like, optimize that and make it more efficient and i feel like making those loops for yourself it really helps if you understand like some basic theory i would say so that you can like practice certain chord progressions and like kind of know what you're doing and know how to place your bass notes but if you're comfortable with harmony enough to the point where you can make like basic triads and you know what notes you're choosing and all that then just having all these parts consolidated down to audio that you know already work together has been so next level 
for writing. Like, highly suggest everybody to do that. I guess if I had to give, you know, one little gem off kind of what I learned. Yeah. Um, and if you can't play guitar like the virtuoso that that Nicola is, you can stop, you can bro. still write loops. you can still write MIDI progressions and just save those. Or hire your boy. Link in the description. Yeah, but there yeah, you go. Also yeah, don't 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 do your own MIDIs. Just hire Nicola to get some loops for you. Or you can get that MIDI pack that is insane. MIDI pack is insane. <laughs> if you haven't uh heard that ad how are you hearing this podcast (laughs) are you are you listening are you in the are you behind me what's going on because that shit is everywhere do you want a beautiful melody i got you you want a somber melody melody? (laughs) i got you i'm wearing a suit (laughs) because i got you (laughs) that and the drip plugin i've taken over the producer community yeah, dude, definitely see Two both clicks of those a lot. Awesome. I mean, I feel like if you just buy both of those things, you're pretty much set as a producer. You got all the sure. melodies and chord progressions you'll ever need. You click your one VSD two times, and yeah. you're set. You just use the default preset and then put drip on it, and every sound is perfect. Two clicks. Dude, we should have chose a different profession. We're going to be, like, obsolete. Actually, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure because I don't have the mini pack or drip that I'm not a producer. <laughs> I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah. I think your assumption is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Man, no um, hate, no hate to either of those folks who made the those No, yeah, no, your, your ads are, no, just, your ads are annoying. We're, yeah, we're mostly making fun of the frequency with which your ads hit us on YouTube. But I like also, literally you know, was joking about targeted that with the other night, and then like I got off of the thing and watched, like, continued watching the YouTube video. I was like halfway through an Andrew Huang video, and I like stopped for an ad break, and it was like, "This mini pack is insane." And I had to text a student right away, like, "Oh my god, it already hit me." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "They're listening, man." <laughs> Shouts out to Snowbot. What's up, Will? <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah, yeah man. those are everywhere. But uh, yeah, yo, if you don't buy the insane MIDI pack or hire me, then make your own shit and do a session. Like we talk about batch work a lot, right? Like, you know, I think for people, especially if you're like struggling to write within a specific time frame or you're just trying to make the most out of your time, if it's like very fragmented, right. And you can't set aside like hours, you know, uh, back to back, like in a session, just do a session where all you focus on is like the chords, melodies and bass and like, just get really comfortable writing those and bounce out like a bunch of combinations for yourself. And you could either do individual stems or just, you know, play the melody and then have all the sounds back to back. If you build up a library of that, like, I would say, you know, get yourself to a point where you could do like three to five of those like really good ones a session, you know, and like then when you have an hour or two here or there, but you're not particularly inspired, you know, just go off with like all the different vibes, all the different themes that you're feeling and pick the best when you're inspired and you like the tracks already done. Like each of those melodies is a whole fucking song right there. Just two seems click, like a talk. two clicks and it's done. 
two clicks yeah, and just needs a top line and a drip plugin. <laughs> you're, you're set. Yeah, bro. No, I feel you, man. That's a really good idea. Like whether you're, I mean, I think that's a great way to use like, you know, the proverbial nighttime session where it's like, all right, I don't have enough time to really sit down all day for eight hours and make sure I bang out the whole first draft of the song, but I want to get something done. Yeah. Just make it your goal to just put out those loops, you know, see what, what few things you can get that fit together that can be a spark for later and the coolest thing is they don't even have to be a spark for you to be successful they can be a spark for somebody else i've got co-production credits on quite a few records because i just made who's clicking a pin this is my bad <laughs> what's up man just playing uh, with my little string thing oh i got you bro no worries it's all good uh yo uh but yeah so I've got a co-production on a few different records just because I had bounced out those exact kind of like sets of like three or four different loops that all fit together in the same key and tempo. And somebody was like, yo, we should totally collab. And I was like, uh, here's a zip of a few ideas. And then, you know, next thing you know, a couple of months later, like, yo, the song's coming out. What, how, how much percent do you want? <laughs> Let's have a discussion. It's like, oh, sweet. All right. My, you know, I'm going to get a little, a little, my, my ass cap check is going to grow minutely <laughs> on the next hey man, quarter. It's still something. That's what I'm saying though. You know, like the more, the more you, the more records you're on, the more, you know, streaming and, and royalty income you're going to have. So Amen. Get, get out there and, and, and then, you know, make, make those packs like with the express intent to collab with people. Totally. And for anybody that's been following and knows about hyperdrive, which is the awesome songwriting machine we have coming oh. soon. Man, the song starters in there oh. are awesome. Like I was just flipping through that folder, like messing around with some of them. And like, I think, you know, especially for people that are still growing their library, which I mean is always an ongoing process, or you don't know where to start with these melody ideas, like something like the song starter kit in, in hyperdrive is like perfect for that. And so you know, I, th I just think that's such a game-changing aspect of production, and it saves you so much CPU. You can write, like, these really strong tracks that, you know, are, like, relatively easy on the CPU and um, do even more crazier shit on top if you want. Like, I just feel like there's so much potential there, and they always take me out of any rut that I might be in and like ultimate creative freedom if you send it to somebody for collabs so yeah anyway that's my little tidbit on <laughs> sort of where my head's been at with these melodies just uh you know in my own work and talking to people in sessions but man that's huge if, for the people that don't do that try implement that yeah most of, this, most of the song starters come with midi that is insane and also <laughs> exactly what I use. Plus, I use the six serum patches that uh, two uh, well-dressed, good-looking gentlemen uh, on this call with me made. Uh, these uh, these two guys made some six serum patches, and I just got to play a bunch of cool melodies with them. So, I, Dude, I still I still open up the, those serum patches like every time I like go to grab a sound. I'm like, oh yeah, we have all of these that are all fucking fire. Um, they're insane, but the <laughs> the <laughs> the melody loop thing like you're so right nicola like the the easiest way 
to come up with something cool is to start with something that you like and then just iterate on it. Like, even if you're like, I don't want to use a melody loop from someone like I get that, like I wouldn't do that either, but like you can pull that up and chop it up and make it your own or pitch it weird or whatever. And it's like, it's a starting place from, from which you can, generate ideas that sound good really quickly and then if you're really like i don't want to use the sound of the melody loop that came with it like generate the idea for the melody by iterating on that thing and then play that new melody with a patch that you made or patch that's in the pack or whatever so then it's more you right um i think a lot of people shy away from using that type of thing from an inspirational standpoint because a they you know might get attached to it and would leave it in the project or b don't think to like like just replace it with something else that that could serve you better but there's there's a lot of benefit to using something that can spark that creativity and inspiration instantly rather than blank slating everything making a new patch from scratch every time like you're gonna you're gonna take longer than i do to write a rough draft and that is a long time amen dude and you know on the point where we talked about batching and stuff like the really awesome part about building these melodies is that once you get in the groove of it, you can do things relatively quickly. Like you can bang one out, like depending on how complex you're going, obviously, like it could take up to an hour, but like if it's 20 to 30 minutes per melody and each of these will significantly make your life easier for a song, right? You're, and you're batching this work, you're going to get so good at writing chord progressions and leads and bass lines and all of these words, you know, for the people that aren't as comfortable with theory, all these words you keep hearing like inversions and leading tones and all of these things, you will make amazing breakthroughs on these ideas the more you do, you know, harmonic melodic work back to back to back to back to back. When you do a session where you do five melodies back to back, you have so many more breakthroughs than if you were to split that over five tracks, because maybe the first melody, all you do is just like a one, four, one, four progression. And you write on top of that. And maybe you don't know what notes you're choosing for the melody. Right. And then the second time, maybe you do a one, six, four, right. You add in a new chord. And the time after that, it's a one, six, four, five. And maybe your voice leading got better. Right. And then maybe after that, you do some leading notes in the baseline and you can already see fifth iteration. If we add one more thing, it's like, how far has that already come just by adding one thing? That's just one session right there. And now if you come back and you're doing this for a week or a couple of days, I find personally, I tend to like do batches of a couple of days where I just like in three, four days, write out like 20 melodies roughly. 15 to 20, let's say, on the conservative side. And You're then the Jingle I know King, I'm dude. But, man, but the thing is, from 20 to 30 goes by so much faster than from 1 to 10. So it's kind of misleading. When you're in that groove and you're batching your work and you're just going back to back to back to back, then I already know 10 things that just worked. 
So the 11th is way easier versus like, yeah, the first, I know my theory. I know stuff that's worked in the past, whatever, whatever. But like when you get in that groove of like, oh, I want this type of sound. I know exactly which VST. Oh, I want this kind of shimmer. I want this VST. I want, oh, arcade for a cool vocal thing. I want this. I want that. Like all these little things that you can really now dive into the rabbit hole of that nuance. Like maybe on the fourth melody, you start doing tape stops here and there. And then by the seventh melody, you've like found out this crazy new thing that you didn't even know you could do with a tape stop. And maybe that now becomes like a fundamental part of your sound or something that you just love to do. And like without those small breakthroughs, which I would argue you wouldn't have at least not as often if you didn't batch your melodies, like those can become really fundamental. And by the end of your little like melody making binge of those few days, like you learn a fuck ton and then you're set for songs. But um, yeah, I guess rant over there. That's just like a bit <laughs> I wanted to like extend. Yeah, on I yeah. feel you though, man, because like, I mean, when I was doing those uh, song starters, those those loops for, you know, for the hyperdrive pack, like, you know, started off, you know, OK, cool. Yeah, I'm making a loop here, making a loop there. But then I was like, I knew this is all I'm doing tonight and tomorrow night. Like I've blocked out my time just to do this. I don't have to stop and shift and be like, all right, now I got to think of a drum group. And now I got to think of what the drop's going to be. And now I got to think about rhythmic escalation. And then I got to write a breakdown. And then, you know, it's like, None of that. It's just, okay, cool. Oh, this is a patch I really like. Oh, here's a really cool melody. And then here's like a bunch of iterations on that melody so that whoever's using this can like, you know, have a lot of a lot of material to work with. Or like when I was doing the like the song starter build up ones, it was like, okay, cool. Like let me get a chord progression in place. Let me double that chord progression and change the you know after a while you start to get into a rhythm like oh yeah every time i'm going to change the second chord progression a little bit kind of like this and like that and then i'm gonna you know grab it grab these and get an arpeggio and get an arpeggiator on the another sound and make an arpeggio that fits those chords perfectly and then you know like you start to by the time like you said by the time you're past like 10 of them you got to pattern down in a process and oh and then i'll flatten it and reverse the reverb tail at the end and have it lead in and crossfade it in so when that sound comes in at eight bars it's not coming out of note and you like you start to get these little things that keep making it better and better as you go and then you listen to the first couple you did and you're like i'm gonna delete those ones and do three (laughs) more at at the end that are that are better than those ones and yeah you can really you can really get into it and let you know this batching batching ideas you know it works with so many things like whether you know you really want to get good at doing timer beats or you really want to get good at you know making a template you know you can you can make a shit ton of rack instruments and put them all in a template at once or you know may do a bunch of mud pies in a row you know where you're just like all right this week is all about just generating a bunch of sounds like if you make one mud pie a month you're not really going to get that much better at making mud pies so the times when i make like 10 mud pies in a row over a few days like those like my second half of those 10 mud pies are significantly better than the first half and i get way more sounds I'm like oh right i should be doing like 
you know, more LFOs and more pitch modulation so that I get more sweeps and movement on these because that first one was like one note over and over and everything's just a fucking F and who cares? I'm tired of this <laughs> static F that just has different kinds of distortion on it. What the fuck kind of song am I supposed to write with that? <laughs> right. Man. Um, yeah, that makes me think of my old job where I was building like car parts and shit. Because I think about how there was like the main production facility. Then you have these smaller production facilities, which would build like doors and stuff like that. Right. And then like ship the some pre-built parts already to the main plant where everything's put together. I'm just picturing the fucking chaos that would ensue at that main plant. If there's like at that part in the line where they're supposed to put the doors on and one just comes with like all the fucking parts and it's like, you got to assemble the door and put it on now. And I think a lot of people approach their writing process that way all the time. I'm not saying you can't do that. Some days you fucking, I'm sure those people roll up to work and they're like, I am particularly inspired to put a door together. But for the most part, when you're in creation mode, you know certain criteria needs to get met, right? You need to have some sort of melodic idea that's evolving needs to lead to some sort of climax chorus drop whatever and potentially have a bridge section when you have a melody and you just bounce out like let's say four different variations or intensity levels or whatever on that you basically have all of the variation you need for like at least a minute and a half of your song and then if you just duplicate that over and make variations in the second half you have a sufficiently interesting three-minute song, which is kind of the standard. And then you're not focused on, like you said, Luke, you're not focused on all these like other things besides the task at hand. You don't need to think about harmony. You don't need to think about layering. You don't need to think about these 15 EQ moves across these channels that you would have had to make to fit everything together. It's like, no, all of that it is already skipped like you, you like you hit a checkpoint in your favorite game or whatever and now you can replay the fucking water level from halfway through because it has that cool part that on it that you like or whatever right like you get all of the fun aspect from just the writing portion of it or the composition and you skip all of the like harmony and processing work and all of that stuff and not only is your computer cpu now or your computer ram more free now to take on more tasks but your mental ram isn't worn down by making all these choices in the moment like i can just hop in now and if i'm writing like a song with the chorus i have everything i need and i just put drums on or if i'm writing a bass music banger i know that literally i can drag in a melody loop drag it out get you know some basic drums going and like it's drop writing time already within a matter of like 10 15 minutes and i can really ride that creative wave and not get caught down in you know all the other aspects of it yeah and that and that melody comes with so many of the pieces that you might have had to decide it's already got a tempo it's already got a key it's already got a groove yeah like is it is it does it have a shuffle or not is it in f minor or g minor is it at 140 or 160 you're like man what should i write my song at nope it's 140 in g with a shuffle 
that is exactly what you're doing. Like three major decisions already made for you. Run with it. Yeah. Amen. So how are you doing, Luke? What's going on? Doing pretty good. Life is life is beautiful. You know, uh, up here in the in the cold north. It's not not as cold as Tesco's North or as North as Tesco's North, but this one, or as this cold as pretty warm or lately. as cold as Rip Kenny's slightly south of me. But uh, it's been pretty nice. The weather's been good. Uh, the days are getting longer again, so that's feeling nice. Um, getting you know, I still sit in this windowless room more often than not. But when I do walk outside before six p.m., it's uh, I, I see the sun sometimes, so that's nice. Yay! <laughs> that's always Yay, got vitamin me. D. You know, definitely still fairly pale, but you know, hey, we don't get we don't get a lot of that sunlight as producers or people that live in Seattle. So you know, <laughs> double double fucked on that one. <laughs> but uh, so past that, um, you know, I know it was like February, so a lot of people were doing the February album writing month. Like, gotta write all these new songs, and well, I did write a few new songs in February. My focus was much more on like. To give you some context, last February, I wrote like, I don't know, 16 or 18 timer beats. I was really into doing timer beats at the time. And I wrote all these cool timer beats and finished almost none of them and forgot about them. In fact, I I found, I didn't even know where that folder was on my computer until like February 20th. And I found one and actually wrote a song out of it this year. But, um, (laughs) but then, uh, so this year, instead of doing that, I decided like, let me go really hard on iterating and to finish more tracks. And so I went really hard in the track feedback section of producer Dojo, just giving, sending in tons of tracks. Like, at one point, like I, I had like four tracks in with Alexandra alone. And then like, you know, also sending some to Cryptochronic uh, and some over to Moon Splatter. So, so I'm just like doing track after track in there. I'm really just working on those details and iterations to really get some of that high level feedback to get that, you know, that final five or 10% of the track before it's released ready. Cause I want to release a lot of music this year. I want to finish an EP and I want to have a track every single month. I got to decide what my March track is and and drop that into, uh, into the distro chain over at Gangaroo Records. What's up? Bouncegang.com. GVNG. <laughs> down below. Uh, but past that, um, I've been, uh, I've been uh, settling nicely into my role as uh, editor uh, of the Bounce Gang blog. Um, so I've been uh, getting a bunch of really dope articles. Just throw out Bouncegang.com again. Um, a lot of really cool articles that I've been learning a ton about. I know couple weeks ago on the Munchie episode, we talked about the, uh, the publishing uh, stuff that I'm learning from Hayden THC. Um, so there's like a ton of really cool stuff there, like four or actually like five or six articles now that like deep dive into different aspects of publishing and music money. Like basically it's how, how does music money work and how do you get yours? And so feeling a lot stronger in my understanding of that, which which has me feeling a lot more empowered. And then like they've got, they got these really cool tech Tuesday articles that are um, like a lot of day, uh, one of our writers and and generally awesome people and awesome songwriters is putting together. So I've been like learning about uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which is something, a blockchain uh, way to, you know, kind of make one of a kind digital art uh, that, that folks are, 
folks are uh, getting really excited about that that market's starting to blow up right now. I know my uh, my dude Levitate, who's a really dope bass DJ from out here in Seattle, who's recently moved to LA. He's been doing well uh, selling selling some of his really cool uh, 3D art renders um that he's uh he's i mean he makes all his own music videos and all the graphics for his shows so he's just he's ridiculous he's the reason i know what an nft is yeah me too (laughs) he's the first person i saw that was like selling one i was like what the fuck is this uh yeah i hit him up on twitter i was like yo man how you been it's dope man i just sold some nfts and now i'm figuring out what i want to do next like okay dope congrats what's an nft (laughs) (laughs) explain it to me on dms like okay yeah that's dope bro but yeah, so learning about that kind of stuff uh, and and enjoying my role over there as as editor. It's uh and and uh and then finally, like we were talking about batching, I've been getting because there's this new um there's this new cipher uh, on at the dojo right now about uh, how you want to use granular synthesis. Shouts out to Dwelm who's uh, curating that cipher. Uh, the theme is granular synthesis. And that's something I remember I got really excited about when Reason first introduced a granular synthesizer called Grain. And then I actually didn't really take the time to deep dive into that. Um, but luckily, shouts out to Snowbot, who I, uh, who I mentioned earlier uh, because of that MIDI pack being insane. Um, <laughs> he asked me on our session last month, um, you know, like, to, to dive into that grain sampler with him. I had a little more experience than he did, but just diving into it and showing him what I knew and then also doing some experimenting with like the mod matrix and, and, you know, connecting, you know, pieces of it to other pieces of it came up with some really trippy mud pies on the spot on the lesson and was like, Oh man, like this is really fun. And then a uh, cryptochronica on Dojo TV, for anybody that's got that Dojo TV on demand uh, as part of their Dojo package, uh, he he did a really cool class on granular synthesis, like deep diving into all these cool ways to do it inside of Ableton, which inspired me to jump back into Reason and see if I could recreate some of those. So I've got a few really cool mud pies, like some packs that uh, I put together of mud pie one shots for myself to write this uh, this grain cipher, granular cipher with, um, and uh, definitely gonna going to put some of those out as freebie Fridays and probably sell some larger packs of granular synth uh, one shots. Dudes, I did a really good, I had just like a vocal pre-drop phrase, actually one of the ones from uh, from the hyperdrive pack, which is going to have like nearly 200 vocal pre-drops in it. Um, and uh, I, I just went super ham twisting knobs for like, I mean, it was only like probably like a five minute mud pie, but I got like over 80, like super killer, like really trippy, like vocal texture, but like super synthetic sounding, Mm -hmm. sounding like granular, uh, stuttery, pitchy, bendy pieces of awesomeness that I cannot wait to sprinkle in my songs. You should link that to your boy. Oh yeah, man! I'll, I'll definitely send you guys. <laughs> you guys. You guys are quality control. You know, I got to make sure they're as spicy <laughs> as I think they are. <laughs> I bet it's pretty darn <laughs> spicy. spicy. The the sauce, the sauce, But yeah, shit's been good. Shit's been really good. You know, getting you know we're hitting like a year since. <laughs> since quarantine started that's a trip yeah, happy quarantine anniversary yeah Ooh. i'm like 
Ooh. I'm like exactly as of now we're recording this exactly one year from the last time I was on an airplane. It's my mm. homie's birthday, March 9th, flying, flying back from, from San Diego. Technically we went to Tijuana and got into mm. some shenanigans. So that was a good last blowout Hello? before, before, but being in Tijuana at strip clubs and cockfights and such, uh, for well, you knew for a fact COVID was starting to sweep the world. It was a very weird fucking situation to be in. Plus, oh. I don't drink, so being the only not drunk friend on that trip was also very interesting. It <laughs> might have been the only thing that saved you from not being patient zero. <laughs> I know, right? I, looking over and seeing like some some young drunk dude making out with a stripper, just being like, "Oh no, oh, dude, no." Oh, dude. No, no. Why? Why would you do this to yourself? No, no, no. no. Dude, probably built up immunity. Jokes on us. <laughs> no, 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 no. He gonna yeah. be ripped like Kenny. My, my, just to finish out the Tijuana story. My one thing that I made sure we did was went to the restaurant Caesar's restaurant where the Caesar salad was invented and got the authentic Shut Caesar up. salad. Oh my god, they were so good. My only regret is to five more of those. Don't lie, dude. They didn't invent the Caesar salad in Tijuana. 100% they did. No way. You can I have, I'm Googling I have no shit, reason right? or facts to say one Caesar's way or the other. Hotel and restaurant invented Caesar dressing. Holy shit. I don't know if you've ever been to a nice restaurant where they come and make the dressing at the table and they crack an egg and and they put the ingredients in and then toss the lettuce in it and make the you know everything right there at the table. This is how they did it. They had a whole cart. But they served it really weird. Instead of like you we get a bowl of chopped lettuce with croutons on top of it. They had like full like crouton French bread mm. slices with baby romaine leaves laid on top of it that were all like drenched in the sauce. So no, dude, you you need to check your fucking facts. The Caesar salad was invented by an Italian man named Caesar Cardini in Tijuana, Mexico, in the 1920s. Oh God, really? Fuck. Yeah, aren't I an asshole? (laughs) Jesus Christ! Oh my God, that's actually crazy, bro. That's so fucked up. Because I was like, Caesar's. All right, you. It was definitely, gonna, dude, I, was, I always picked a restaurant, people. but it was an Italian restaurant in Tijuana, Mexico. Shouts out TJ. Oh my God. For making the best salad dressing there is, hands down. And none of that like watery shit you get at crappy restaurants. It's like full on creamy. It's got an egg yolk in there and shit. Like a bunch of garlic. The anchovies are right up in that bitch. I'm talking real what? Caesar, full flavor, extra. Caesar cream. has Worcestershire sauce in. Oh it? yeah, yeah. I make my what own. I make my fuck? own. That's to my mom for teaching me. Although I don't make it with the egg. I just I get, I'm lazy, so I just like make all of the other ingredients and then mix that down with mayonnaise. Nice. But yeah, no, it's, it's dope. You, you start, you chop up some garlic, you get some anchovy paste in there, some Dijon mustard and some Worcestershire and like mix that all around in a bowl. And what? then you mix that into some, into some mayo uh, and, and, you know, get it all it's nice, creamy, you know, you can mix that to taste. And then, uh, 
and then you know toss your toss your lettuce in that throw a little bit of lemon on top if you want and some some fresh pepper and yeah. of course copious copious amounts of whatever brand of parmesan cheese you enjoy yeah i'm more i'm more of a lemony caesar than an than an anchovy heavy caesar you know you, you kind of get one or the other it's either anchovy forward or lemon forward i'm a lemon forward type of guy i'm i'm the opposite i'm i'm about like big bold flavors i really mm. i like spicy shit i like salty shit i like garlic i like turns out i like anchovies you know, I like all that except uh, like really spicy, really garlicky, like garlic to the point where it, <laughs> it presents itself as spice. But, <laughs> yeah, but uh, little 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 fish that look like something I'd feed to my cat. I'm not really. That's what you get the paste, bro. I'm not uh, paste. It's paste. even it's even it's even more cat food friendly. I'm just not really. I'm not really an anchovy right. guy. Not your first no. world kind of guy. Do you like anchovies on pizza? I've never actually no. ordered it. To tell you the truth, I bet I would though. Do you like pineapple on pizza? I definitely love pineapple on pizza. Big yeah, I do bad. too. I know I'm probably gonna get some. We're gonna get some hate mail for that one, but uh, fuck well, Human music podcast officially Yo, canceled. Just good one. Just <laughs> ask because we got because the most common in America, the most common pairing. You the the meat pairing with pineapple. What is it, Evan? Canadian bacon. Does that exist in Canada, Tesco? No, it's just bacon. <laughs> it's actually just ham. It's literally it's just, just sliced, sliced of ham. Sliced ham. I mean, we do have. You can buy Canadian bacon here. They're basically saying your bacon sucks ass. There's no fat. It doesn't taste good. It's just a slice of regular ham. First off, regular ham's pretty good. It's a puck of ham. No, dude. Puck of ham. Thank you for that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a hockey puck of ham. Wouldn't Canadian bacon be maple for sure. flavored? You can get Wouldn't maple you dip flavored. Wouldn't you dip your bacon in the, in the maple ah, syrup man. left over from the waffle? Oh. Amazing. Yeah. So that's the thing, though. Ham, ham normally comes... Like honey ham or something sweet. It's no, it's a bit up. different though. I don't it's like I don't different. like ham at all. I get fucked not out a of ham here. guy. Ham is just <laughs> ham, ha- go ham. Ham, ham, ham is the thing that you're at a holiday dinner and you put a bunch on your plate because you think it's going to be good, and then you end up eating all of the side dishes, and the ham is the last thing on your plate. Like fuck, I guess I'll eat this. See, that's but a different more kind mac of and ham, cheese. Though. You want more mac and cheese. You want more. What's the thing with the green uh, beans and the green bean uh, yeah that green Duh. eggs and ham. Yes, <laughs> green eggs and ham. I want more <laughs> green eggs and ham. Said Sam. I am. Man, it depends though. It's it's different than ham. Ham is way different though. I'll eat Canadian bacon before I eat ham. Ham 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 is the rhythm of food. It's just debase. I like rhythm. Shots fired. Don't do <laughs> ham like that. Uh, rhythm, rhythm goes ham. That's for sure. Man, rhythms just become the butt of all jokes, which is sad because it, it it had so much dude potential rhythm, before rhythm, and just got so overplayed so dude, quick. Rhythm is the big room house of of the next five years since that. Yeah. It, it 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 started cool. It was like, oh damn! Like there's some like cool sounds, 
and like, oh, this is a unique way of like, like I'm used, you know, big room was like, oh, like electro is tight. And then it was like, oh, wait, instead of making it so complex, let's strip it back and make it like more straightforward and big. It was like, cool. Like dubstep got really complex. Okay. Let's make it less. Let's make it like straightforward with like big sounds. Just like one thing to listen to. Great. Certain drum beat, very straightforward drum beat. But it just got rinsed so hard that it became just meme culture. Indeed. So, I think, okay. though, oh, yeah. there's only so much you can do with it in a sense because it is so rhythmic focused. And mm. obviously, you have cool people like Leo Tricks and stuff that are doing. And like Marauda and they're doing the cool like off time, like off the grid kind of rhythms and all that. But like seeing the history of dubstep, I don't know if you guys have seen this video. I can't remember the original creator, but it's been like popping up in everybody's recommended. I feel lately, maybe I'm wrong, but it's this video that this uh, UK dude made, I believe. I believe he was from the UK and he was just talking about like, his experience when like dubstep was like just emerging and like how it's changed over the years and stuff. I'm really curious where we go from here. Like color base makes sense. And I'm not saying there isn't a hell of a lot of innovation to be done still within the genre, but it's kind of at this point where like way more people have accepted cool sound designy kind of music. So now that it's become all about the sound design, what is like the next frontier or is it forever going to be like associated with kind of meme culture? I don't know, dude. When's the last time you heard an innovative big room song? It stopped. It stopped fucking happening. I, I hate to say it, but I do think that that's what's happened to rhythm. Not to say that you couldn't make an offshoot that is no longer what people would consider main room rhythm that would be cool. And to be fair, I've heard a lot of really good things that I would consider rhythm in like a very more modern contextualized, like like you said, more like offbeat stuff or like maybe don't use the reverb and comb filters in Serum. How uh, dare you? How dare you? This hot, hot, <laughs> spicy take. But uh, yeah, I just don't like you said. I I I think it's gonna. I think it's just gonna slowly, uh, slowly fade away. Who's the? Um, I don't really know who the biggest rhythm artist is of our time. But who is the Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike of rhythm? I need to know. The fucking Skill Rex, the boy. Okay. No, um, uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Subtronics or somebody. No, dude. Subtronics. No. If no, we're sudden, talking... Sudden death, I actually. mean, all right, all right. Are we talking like OG Rhythm or are we talking what nowadays is called we're, Rhythm? Which we're, is talking, modern, we're talking... We're talking... Big Room Rhythm. <laughs> whoever in the Rhythm game would pay... Oh, did I name a Small Room Rhythm artist? My would bad. pay to get to the top of the DJ Mag Top 100. Like, who in Rhythm would stoop to that level? I mean shit when you frame it like that man i don't know who's huge like sudden death borgor probably has the most amount of followers and does that but like is he who you think of 
I like Borgor, but no, is but Borgor has enough. The thing is, Borgor has done enough cool shit in the past that, like, I kind of give him, I kind of give him credit for like being cool already. Even oh, though, yeah, like, I love Borgor, but like, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, who's the biggest person right now that is known as a rhythm dude? Like, Skrillex, I don't, I don't know, has done rhythm tracks, right? And then it's like, he's yeah, not a rhythm dude, though. I googled top rhythm artist. I Google top rhythm oh artist. Who's who's Thank the top you. one though? Oh man. Okay. Um, give Sub, me Subtronics came up. Is first. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna just give it to Subtronics, bro. Cause I feel no. like he at least kind of tries to uh innovate slash associate with rhythm. So I'm gonna just give it to him. Okay, as far but as the I'm, modern stuff goes. I'm anyway. talking about who's the biggest sellout of rhythm? Like who's like the EDM of rhythm? Like, well, oh, I don't it doesn't exist. I don't Maybe. know if they're Marshmallow did a rhythm track, right? The thing is, like, we're gonna a lot of a lot of big name, a lot of big name artists made a big room track in their time, and yeah. capitalized on the popularity of that genre. But then you have the the reason I say Dimitri Vegas and like Mike because I just like think of them as the torchbearer for like taking a cringe genre just to the fucking grave <laughs> so like who's cringing it up so hard <laughs> torch bear of the fucking most loserous thing ever you piece Dude, of the, like it, kind of though like <laughs> no, no, i don't I mean to be though. rude but just the way you phrase that was fucking funny but um i don't know if Maybe then, okay, then, then like that. I guess that that is the like point then that there is still life in this genre yet. It hasn't been taken to that point because uh, uh, the thing that happened with Big Room is it reached so much widespread popularity. And given the like the festival EDM scene had blown up to a point that was unsustainable at that point, where it made sense to pour so much money into being the person that you could just make cringe shit all day and and like be the 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 business that was being the top big room dj like rhythm may not hit that point and then by kind of de facto it would never really be that sellout it would never really be that mainstream so in, interesting to think about for sure one thing I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on now that you bring that point up, because when I think of Big Room House, I think of Progressive House. No. Well, here's the thing. Uh, when I think of dubstep and I think of how much it's changed, I think of rhythm and I think of old school kind of dubstep, right? And maybe some of the more melodic stuff too. And so one thing I notice is like this trend, same with metal too. I notice this trend where you have this style that, um, you know, is more on the melodic side and then gets stripped down to playing singular notes and maybe more like atonal kind of stuff because it's arguably heavier. And then there's sort of this resurgence of melodic stuff again that like incorporates all of the new stuff from when the genre was more uh stripped down i guess you could say so the comparisons i'm drawing in my mind are like thinking of 
like metalcore to deathcore to now you have like gent bands that will play like low detuned very simple shit over like nice pretty sounding stuff and that's kind of the result of you know styles merging or you have like melodic dubstep and old school dubstep into rhythm now into color bass where color bass is very distinct from those so i kind of see big room house the same way where it's like you had progressive house that was just running the charts but when you when you say popular. progressive house you you mean people like avici and that right the more melodic stuff yeah because that's more like that's more like the genesis of like edm right progressive house but big room is very i'm gonna be a genre EDM. snob for a sec here progressive mm -hmm. house is more like um i mean i mean dead mouse is closer to progressive house than like avici zed. that's like who, who yeah 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 when no, I but zed is very edm as well like i mean that more melodic side yeah and then Big Room came, and now you have a kick drum and a fucking percussion little dink playing at a rhythmic pace with some reverb. To me, yeah. that's the same exact shit that I saw happen in dubstep, where it's yeah. like, let's sacrifice the melodic stuff, go simpler, more rhythmic, yada yada. So yeah, I'm just curious, Like, I guess I'm just throwing that up in the air. And seeing kind of what you guys think about that, because I feel like genres have this tendency to like to to diverge on the more like simple mm. uh, heavy side and then the more like melodic side and they kind of feed off of each other and it kind of goes through phases where one is more popular than the other, I feel. What are your guys' thoughts on no, that? No, you're 100% you're right. Like something will develop as a genre and the first instinct is like this is new and exciting let's make it as heavy as possible and get people head banging and then like melodic dubstep came after like the heavier like the wave of melodic dubstep came after the heavier wave of dubstep i think it's the same thing with rhythm right it's it's like it's funny because it is like the easiest like how do i make this different it's like oh let's do melody instead of atonal comb filter wubs like it does make sense and like what you were talking about like that that would be the logical progression i almost feel like color bases maybe because i don't know the genre that really very well but it feels like more fresh and innovative than just a standard I'm going to take this thing and make it melodic. Cause I've heard melodic rhythm and that is different, different, like very different color base feels like more of like a change in like texture and scope. And like, like almost like, like a, like an old school, like, like if you took the music that you listened to while playing that drift car racing game at the arcade as a kid, and then turn that into rhythm like that's color like like virtual self those types of like really fast arpeggios and like and like not distorted but like pushed like you know modern sounding yeah exactly it, feel, it feels more fresh to me would you agree yeah one thing um do you see the parallel i know you say you don't listen to it too much but 
between color bass and hyper pop because I feel like they kind of embody the same-ish yes. kind of aesthetic and feel and vibe. Yeah, I, I would say so. Hyperpop is such a varied genre that I would say like some hyperpop crosses over into color base like feel. Um, but, you know, hyperpop does feel like a lot of different things to me. Like I couldn't really put my finger on any one thing. So not so much the like actual attributes of the song, but more so just like the the vibe that it embodies. I feel. yeah, no, no, I would and, agree. and obviously very varied, like you said. But yeah, I don't know. It's all kind of kawaii, playful, yeah, jolly, very modern sounding. Mm. So I wonder if there's gonna be like a now heavy version of hyper pop, and I wonder if. Color base is going to take over and then rhythm is going to take over again. It's like the battle of <laughs> dark and lighter. Dude, I, you know what's funny is like, you know how genres are all so cyclical? Like, yeah. happy hardcore is like the OG hyper pop. Yeah. Like, and it, like, I don't mind that that is like coming back around like in a modern format because it's it's like although it's a very simple setup for like what makes something happy hardcore like it's i have like a nostalgia associated with it and i do think that that's not necessarily just because i heard those records when i was younger and now i think that these new ones that sound in a similar format are cool like i thought those were good in their own right back then even though they were more like you know maybe you would call them lo-fi sounding like they're not they're not high fidelity and compare like they didn't use the reason fucking happy hardcore became a thing is because side chaining didn't exist and so you had to have the kick on one beat and the bass on the other on the upbeat and it was like the 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 pull of that was because you wanted a big bass note opposite the kick at a fast tempo and that felt kind of low like it wasn't the modern standard of what you're used to is like very not that right. It can be like much more complex than that, but like bringing that back in, like that simplistic nature of that design of that beat. I, there's something to it though. There's like an energy that that like simple trade-off like provides. And I do think that there, I, I appreciate the newer sounding stuff that is like doing that type of thing. Yeah, man. Amen to simplicity. But also yeah, like, complexity. Finding finding that line to walk on is the thing, man. And with genres, man, I've always been like confused at what genre I'm making on shit. Like, you know, I just I just follow threads of inspiration. Like, oh, where's this going? And sometimes it works great, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I envy the people who are like, I just make this thing that fits in this box so I can play that stage. And it's like, yeah, man, you're definitely playing that stage a lot, and that's badass. Well, Congratulations, you made but. You you made that beat wolf whistle. <laughs> that's that's pop trap, man. That's pop trap. Yeah, man. I'm, I, I'm just pulling I, that out of my ass, but I'm just I I'm, just I'm speaking to the point. Shit, that, and then I'm like, that, I don't yeah. know what this is. Somebody else tell me what genre Venn diagram I landed that in was, the middle of. That was my attempt at making your point for you. <laughs> I I yeah I agree, yeah, but man. that's where you should be. You shouldn't be like, how do I fit into this existing box to make fans understand my relevant piece of work in the eyes of things they understand um 
I think especially like we've had this conversation a million times on this podcast, but like authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. To the to the grave. Especially nowadays, like if you're making stuff that fits in a box, like yeah, it's gonna check boxes for people, but like it doesn't grab you in a way that you're gonna listen to it ten times in a row. Yeah. You know, and I think today if you want to break through the noise, you have to do something that's different enough that makes people want to listen to it 10 times in a row. Fun fact. If you have a song on Spotify that people listen to on average three times or more per listener, that song's going to pop the fuck off. So you want something that people are like, Whoa, this was different. Like, let me, let me hit that one again. Uh, And how you get there is by sitting down to write, a song and letting that song take you where it's going to go rather than like, this doesn't make sense. I've, this doesn't fit in this box or this box. I don't think people will get it. Like, no, just do it. Does it sound good? Cool. Move on. Amen. Yeah. I think genres are, are useful in the sense that there's a reason these characteristics work with each other and why people have kind of categorized these few characteristics as like being the uh you know requisites for a genre but like at the end of the day it's just there to kind of set the guideline but you know i saw a video this morning where a dude was making 128 bpm rhythm and it was very interesting and uh i think the only reason that you know, 128 BPM house and 140 to 150 BPM rhythm are as separate entities as they are and as well defined as they are is just because a bunch of people have arbitrarily all kind of made these moves that fall into the same kind of category or intent. And just through sheer amount of content, it gets made its own genre. But if everybody this year produced 128 BPM rhythm, that could spawn its own subgenre, which spawns five more subgenres, which one of them ends up being the next big room house slash rhythm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the rabbit hole goes infinitely deep for each little aspect of this. And just because people have congregated to some specific characteristics doesn't mean there's any less value in taking all the other stuff. It's just now you don't have a roadmap exactly what to do. Yeah. Well, you, you saying that it reminded me of something that I think might wrap up this conversation nicely, which is uh, a quote that I heard from AU5 in a podcast he did, which was the thing that excites him the most is the fact that there are limitless things for him to explore in the context of sound or like like not necessarily genre but just like things to explore that you could take deeper that he knows of or doesn't know of but he knows for a fact that there is a limitless combination of things that he could take deeper and i think that that is really the key having that mindset rather than the what we already talked about which is like rhythm is nearing the exterior of its box and it's it that's that's it right um continuing to have the mindset that there are infinite possibilities and limitless options for you to the rabbit hole is infinitely deep 
and believing that and exploring how deep that rabbit hole goes in any direction is where you find the best stuff. That rabbit hole is insane. Dude, that rabbit hole is insane. Take two clicks down that rabbit hole, my friends. Two clicks and it's perfect in the rabbit hole. (laughs) Man. Love that quote. Brilliant way to sum it all up. Let's close it out there. Peace, humans. And peace among worlds. I like it. All right. What a good one. Thanks for being with us. And now I want to ask humans, how are you doing? Please put a comment under one of the places you may be watching or listening to this. And uh, remember to subscribe, like, smash all those buttons, drop a comment, all those good things. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Human Music Pod or everywhere else like Instagram at The Human Music Podcast. Holler at us over there. And uh, make sure to go support our sponsors, the Producer Dojo, where you can get that Dojo Max membership, private lessons, unlimited track feedback, and access to Ill Gates Weekly Download Archive. Guest practices, where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He's the best engineer we know, and the first guest practices class is free. And Gangaroo Records Music Distribution, where you can get all your tunes, to all the stores and services for under $10 a year. Get it. Those links are down below. I'm Luke Rain, saying peace and peace among worlds.